So what is an expectation? In my experience, it is a predetermined outcome that somebody wants uh, to be realized. So that means that that's what they want to see. And expectation is, I basically call it an idea that is developed by somebody with all of the things that influence them. So the, how they grew up, how they were taught, how they, were, how they um, learned how to behave. So this is things like, um, how to interact with other people. These are all the things that we learn when we're very young. And I think these are the things that lead into expectations. It's, um, it's almost like it's a very inherent uh, trait. That is to say that somebody to be expectant of a certain outcome all the time not really recognising that they can't really control the outcome that's assuming that everything that, that they want that they expect is to be seen physically which naturally would involve other people and you can't control other people. So, expectation is never, it's not always gonna match up with what you're gonna be able to observe. Because what expectation is is it requires requires other people to well firstly it requires other people to know what your idea is to know what the desired outcome is I've noticed that some people that have expectations i.e. they make it known that a certain outcome's not been not been seen, and they get annoyed. And it's because they assume that everybody else involved knows what is expected. That it's just a I don't know magic, like reading somebody's mind. That's the way it comes across to me sometimes, that the person is almost ignorant to the fact that they have to communicate what it is they want, what it is they're trying to achieve. Because if you need other people involved in order to make an idea a reality, then you have to communicate that to people.
So this may not be true in all cases, but the way that I've seen expectations play out is somebody's created this, created these expectations through influence, all the influences as they were growing up, all the influences affecting them now as, as a grown adult. So the way in which they have learnt to get things to achieve certain outcomes is by having those situations where an expectation is not met and they project it. They say, you should have known that, you should have done that. And the expectation is again that next time it'll be different because now you'll know what you're supposed to do and stuff. So it is all a bit controlling really. It relies on relies on telling other people what to do it's not a it's not an open kind of communication or anything it's not asking a person if if they would do something it's more that you kind of expect people to act in a certain way because of what you believe or what you think and when they don't and when you don't get the desired outcome what you expect then you project that onto those people you project that failure to get that desired outcome because well to you that's say normal that's that, that's how you were brought up that's normal for you but some of those things may not always be apparent because to a degree it's only it's maybe only certain people that these expectations are projected onto because well if they're able to pick and choose who they project those expectations then it kind of hints at there being some kind of conscious decision making that Perhaps I can't act in that way with that person. I can act in that way with this person. So while saying it's it's all entirely driven by influence, that may be where the behaviour has been picked up. 
but to say that it's persisting because it's it's almost like a habit there's something else going on <laughs> because yeah they, they may do it to the same people every time but having the ability to choose who you act that way with and don't says that there's kind of a something else going on there there's another process so why why would somebody do that why would that kind of behaviour be kind of bestowed on somebody why would a parent or grandparent act in that way that's, that's how things tend to live on through generations right it's the parents and the grandparents to the most most degree for, for the most part because you would expect it would be parents or grandparents that most people would be brought up with but it could be anyone I guess if you were brought up with no family it could be foster foster parents or it could be uncles and aunties so literally it could be any anyone but why do these things persist why do people project unhealthy behaviours because they don't know it's unhealthy if there was a mechanism in the brain that said you just don't, what you've just done is wrong or what you've just done is unhealthy then it would be great nobody would need to be confronted nobody, there would be no arguments because people would have total realisation over what they were doing, what they were saying. But people don't act in the same way. People don't... People don't have realisations like that. What they have is a different sense of normal. Some people are brought up in caring, loving homes in which things are just I guess maybe you could say plain, there's no real dramas but then people are brought up in homes that have constant dramas, constant arguments constant fights over all sorts of things so what that does, it doesn't just affect the behaviour of the the child it then becomes an adult. It also affects the the worldview of that person. So somebody's brought up in a home where there's never any arguments, there's never any confrontations, never any um, disagreements, then the view of the world is that's how people are. That's how people act, or that's how they should act. Let's say your, your childhood is your reference. It's your baseline. That's what you compare everything to. If you're remaining stagnant, right? 
also if you're never really deviating from childhood everything is kind of just compacting on top of that whereas if you are consistently developing yourself through some kind of personal development then you may come to a point where you realise some of those behaviours and some of those things that happened when you were a child were not uh, not the healthiest not the most effective not the only way of dealing with things I think that's probably the key realising that there isn't just one way to do things because that in a sense feeds into the notion that that your childhood was normal because there's only one there's only one way of doing things right people knew that actually there isn't many different ways some ways are better than others some ways are worse than others and it's just about recognition and adjusting or adapting so that you aren't really feeding into unhealthy behaviours or habits So why, why would somebody become like that in the first place? Why would somebody become almost so defensive that they cast their view of the world how they expected something to happen without consideration for the other people they kind of brought into it they brought into into the idea that these people should be involved so it's not necessarily that those people chose to be involved it's just they've been brought in to that idea and then you've got assumption assumption that they should have done something in order for you to attain that thing attain that outcome for that idea It's like, I guess, going out for a meal. Somebody has an idea, let's go out for a meal. They have an expectation that the food is going to be great and people and the people with them are going to act in a certain way. And then when, when it all happens and the food isn't that great, and the people aren't acting in the way that they wanted them to act so then rather than just just kind of saying like oh well food wasn't what I expected maybe maybe we'll try a different place next time and maybe trying to understand why why people were acting maybe a little bit differently but rather than I guess that's more of an empathetic approach 
or empathic approach. Rather than doing that, what if the person is pissed off at everyone? I mean, like, nobody has done anything to them personally. It's just that their idea to them has been spoiled because all those people and all those things didn't match their expectation. It's like having really unrealistic expectations, which in this case, it wasn't really unrealistic. Um, I think the the unrealistic aspect of it was trying to make people act in the way you wanted them to act, when that shouldn't even be a factor. It should just be, hope the food's good and that's it, have a good time. But to bring in things like that, it's a little bit unnecessary. It's not a little bit, it is unnecessary. Because it's not, um, it's not something that you would normally, you, you wouldn't normally think about that. You wouldn't think about that aspect that, I hope these people back. <laughs> like, it's, it's weird, but it's normal for them. But it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for them. It's unhealthy for other people that are on the uh, receiving end. Because it's totally, it's laughable. It's totally unrealistic. They could have total control over their own ideas and the creations by not having stupid expectations. And I say stupid because you're trying to control people and people are completely different. So it's like, it's an impossible thing. And that's kind of besides the fact that it is not really a good thing to do. Because that just leads into into really kind of dark areas of person's psyche if they're trying to control people what is the reason for that yeah it doesn't have to be kind of as crazy as that it can just be that somebody keeps setting expectations that they want things to happen in a certain way and they're trying to control the outcome constantly and they're just They're just constantly shooting themselves down because they're never... It's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. And it's it's just going to constantly keep them in, in a state of disappointment and anger at other people. But they could just make make it so much easier for themselves by not having any kind of expectation like that. Just to just to let things be. 
it doesn't just have to be kind of between one person and you know a few other people maybe family or friends it could be people representing organizations that by doing xyz the expectation is this outcome and when the outcome is not met it's your fault it's not the person that came up with the the idea it's not the organization it's not the people representing the organization it's the people that were expected to unrealistically uh, make that outcome a reality and that's not just um, I mean that's not just saying that's an unrealistic an unrealistic expectation that is also a form of gaslighting it's basically where you're blaming somebody for something that was never really anything to do with them to say that to say that your expectations weren't met because of somebody else is is to gaslight them you're projecting your expectations onto somebody else expecting them to fulfil them for you and then you're blaming them when it doesn't come to fruition and it may be there never will and the intention was to I don't know just to just to find somebody to blame I guess So that kind of lends into another type of situation. If you're, I don't know, maybe you've got negative people in your family. By negative I mean they complain about things, they do things that um, maybe not healthy, bad habits, that kind of thing. Or if um, basically anything that they try and draw you into to kind of share in the despair or anger, or perhaps they're just doing things that piss you off and make you feel angry. Well, there's a few ways to deal with it, right? You can you can respond with emotion, and that's going to be, I guess, in this case, it's going to be an immediate kind of anger. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to say something. 
you say, do something you might regret later and then kind of just remains that way. But there's other ways of dealing with situations like that. As opposed to just allowing it affect you in a negative way. Which I think is just learned. We we are influenced by things that have happened before. So maybe if somebody does something consistently, we also have a consistent response. Because it's easier, because... If it's something that's expected, it's a habit for a person to act in a certain way, your response is always gonna be following the same pattern. So it could also feel more natural to respond that way, to respond negatively. But ultimately that's not healthy for you or the other people. So there's a saying to make good from a bad situation or make good from bad. So that in a way is I guess talking about transmuting something, moving it from one state to another. Where in this case it's maybe not allowing it to be a negative response. Trying to trying to use it for a different purpose. Because Because for some reason, people do the weirdest things. They do the weirdest things and then they they wait for the response. It's the response that they want uh, more than anything else. Because it may justify something about them or justify something about you. So it's... um, the response that they want so if you stop giving a certain type of response in certain situations you may see or rather you will see a reaction a different reaction in the other person because they may not know what to do because the situation is new it's always been recognizable it's always been the same you can do is say you can say or do is to make some kind of gesture but this is like your own for your own personal kind of kind of use it's not something that you need to or share with anyone else and it's just to um, 
just to kind of change change the situation because it's all it's all going to be coming from habit so you need to change that you need to break that pattern and respond in a maybe a more positive way so there's a technique that you could use which is basically clenching a fist or clenching I don't know, anything your arm or something something that you can repeat quite easily and as you do that just close your eyes and just um, think of something think of a situation or a thing or something that you want like a good example would be if you've got neighbours that consistently drive you nuts maybe it would be you have a vision of a new house not next to your neighbours away from your neighbours and so you keep clenching for for about two or three minutes and keep that keep that vision in mind it's almost stimulating what happens naturally when you get into an argument with somebody or you're responding to somebody and you've got a lot of emotional charge maybe it's a situation somebody's made you really pissed off your body gets really tense when you respond and you say things and you're creating It's the same kind of technique because you're using the body as a I guess it's um, I guess it's an expression of the energy you tense up and you're creating something with the words but the the imagery as well maybe it's something about that person you don't like anymore maybe it's something about that situation you don't like anymore but you create more of it because you're saying the things that you don't want you're saying things that you don't like when technique that I just showed is thinking about something that you do want forming a habit based on that so that when you encounter a situation like 
your neighbour pisses you off. You use that technique to see the vision that you do want. And you don't need to respond to them in the way that you normally would have. So it's all about breaking existing patterns of behaviour and then replacing them with something that you actually want. Because so many people, when they get angry, they talk about the things they don't want. And that's maybe all they seem to get. Maybe all they see more of. Because if that's the, that's the thing that's on your mind and maybe those people or those situations are reminding you of that, nothing's ever going to change. You're still going to have the altercations with the neighbour, you're still going to have the same response with the neighbour, you're still going to have the same ideas and vision from that, which is the thing that you don't want, i.e. you don't want to be maybe living next door to them anymore, or you don't want to be, you don't want to be angry or pissed off. But by maintaining the same conditions, that's all you're going to get more of. So you can use that technique as a way of replacing the, say natural, but it's more like an unconscious thing, right? Because we just do it. We're not conscious of getting angry and creating the thing that we don't want, creating the vision of that, speaking about what we don't want. <laughs> because it's difficult to catch yourself in that moment Especially when it's a habit, when it's something that's learned, when you're facing the same situation over and over and over. It's hard to change that and break the pattern. But you can start by doing that. You can start doing that, sorry, by creating a new vision. Creating something you want, and then when you're in that situation, you've got that. You've got that to fall on. You've got the thing that you do want, that is related to the situation because it's to do with getting out of that situation not being around that person anymore so that is like uh, the best possible situation right that's the best best place that you could be in is away from that person and not have to face those situations anymore. So, so what that technique does is 
I guess you could call it something like uh, mind to muscle memory and I call it that because that's something that somebody taught me about in bodybuilding but in this sense in this used in this way this technique it is recalling your memory or rather recalling your vision the thing that you created that that image of what you wanted so when you clench your fist or your arm you should start to see that image that vision when you close your eyes now it's using exercise or bodybuilding kind of similar but it's the other it's the other way around so it's kind of kind of both because it is it's really about focusing specifically on certain muscles whatever you're working at that time and kind of focusing on the on the contractions and the blood flow essentially in order to max to maximize the blood flow and so it's a great contraction. So that just that requires you to almost like envision or image whatever part of the body that is, your arms, your back, chest, shoulders. And so you hold that vision as you're as you're exercising. And in my experience, it does work. It does provide me with uh, more focus. It provides me with more focus. Whether it improves performance or growth or anything like that, it's it's. Um, I guess it's going to be subjective. But in my experience, I did feel a difference in terms of focus when I was working out <laughs> which in some sense would equate to benefits down the road right because if you're able to be more focused you're going to be more stricter in in movement and that's going to mean that it's going to mean that you'll be working more efficiently because you'll see if you spend enough time in in a gym you'll see a lot of people just trying to move weight as opposed to trying to trying to use it to to achieve something And when I say move out, I mean like literally they'll grab the heaviest dumbbell and start swinging their entire body. 
as if they're doing a dumbbell curl. But that's not really efficient because it's not providing any kind of focus on on that body part no matter how much you envision it because you're moving so many other aspects so many other parts of the body your legs your hips it's uh yeah it's not efficient and it could lead to injury quite easily but that, that's what people do when they're looking for shortcuts and I've tried finding shortcuts before but there really isn't any If you just want to look kind of like half-assed, sloppy, then you keep using shortcuts. Because there's no focus, there's no determination, there's no real, there's no real vision. When you have a clear vision, it translates into how you do things, how you do things efficiently in order to maximize how you look so that includes what you eat as well so yeah so yeah so to summarize on that point take any situations that drive you nuts and try and change it. Look at what you could gain positively from it. Or what it's trying to tell you. If your neighbours are pissing you off, maybe it's telling you it's time to move. And so use that as a motivation to either fix up your home for selling, get a better job, get more money in some other way, start your own business, start looking at houses. And when you're in those situations with a neighbour, it's pissing you off. It could be any situation, right? It could be any, any kind of thing that makes you feel shitty or angry or pissed off. Just take it and just try and envision something that you want. Something that is the opposite. Something that's better. And then you can, you can use that technique in order to kind of remember that next time or remember it whenever it whenever it reoccurs because it always will so it's better to it's better to be prepared to have something that you can use in order to see what you want as opposed to reacting in a way that you don't want even though it might feel good to say some things or be angry at somebody ultimately you're saying the things that you don't want which is giving you more of the same thing the thing that you don't want
It's the last point, I think. I don't know how this came about, but I had this weird thought this morning about old video games. This was before things like Grand Theft Auto and other, other games similar to that, which what it is is basically an open, it's called an open world. And it's basically you can go anywhere. But reality is it's just a huge map. It's like a really big map that appears to have no limits. And most games have followed a similar format now. They create huge maps so it gives you the feeling of a massive open world. Even racing games. And like you can just play play a game like that without actually playing the the story of the game. Each game has has a narrative, right? got certain things that it says that you should do but with these types of games it's just easy to kind of just roam around it because there's no no limitations as such or the so limitations are so vast that it's not likely you're going to encounter them But there used to be a time when games were much smaller. Uh, as in the map, or there's a racing game, the track was... It was limited. And the player was... Those limitations were known to the player. So the, develop, the game developer would either put in physical barriers to stop you from going past or through certain areas. Or if it was kind of a, I don't know, like an adventure game. They may not put in a physical barrier as such, but they would put in some kind of invisible area if you... Invisible area. It's almost like an invisible... Invisible wall. Once you walk through it, it triggers uh, some... Some warnings from the game. It says, like, you're leaving a certain area please turn around kind of thing and it'll let you go on for like a little bit and then it might warn you again and then it might either move you back so it might they call it respawn so it might move you back into the area that you're supposed to be in that the game developers want you to be in or it may start to uh, take your health away. So it might appear like you're being hit or killed by something. And there's, like, remember in part, there's quite a few games that use that technique. I don't know. I don't know why the killing thing, but <laughs> I mean, they could have just put a hard wall and said, like, yeah, you can't go any further than that. But they allowed you to kind of go and go and go and then be kind of harmed in going too far. It's only like this morning I thought about that and I was like, that's so weird. It's a weird way of 
a weird way of dem demonstrating a limitation. Because it's more, <laughs> it's more like a punishment. It's more like you can go beyond the limitations. But if you continue to go too far, then you get punished for it. It's a very weird um, authoritarian way of uh, programming. But I guess, I guess when when it's kind of incorporated in one game, it would get copied and used in others. So it could just be. It was a relatively simple technique to to incorporate without having kind of like a hard hard border. If you imagine a, a game that's set outside, you can't exactly put in like a a massive wall. So having like an invisible kind of area that you pass through and then that triggers all these warnings and stuff that's probably a little bit it's not realistic but it's in keeping with the game because you don't have to destroy any scenery you don't have to add any additional uh demand on resources you know like if you put in a say put in a brick wall you would have to that would take up resources it, it would require more graphics memory more CPU time and stuff so it wouldn't be efficient but in think like before before thinking about that that concept this morning I was thinking about how do people say say everyone's got a purpose in life something that you feel you should be doing I can only really speak for myself but fundamentally I feel that it's just to help people doesn't matter what kind of complexity you add on top of that it's just the fundamental thing of helping people so that, that, that's what you would say is purpose let's say everyone has that what if people are not following that what if they're not even kind of aligned with that fundamentally and they're not they're not um, how do you say not following the path kind of a weird analogy but if you compare that with video game developers how they put in this uh, this technique of hurting a user or hurting a player if they strayed off the path too far so if they weren't following they weren't following the rules of the game or what they were supposed to be doing then they would get hurt and it would continue until they were dead or until they turned around and got back in the right path and uh, 
yeah, it was kind of a, a weird but sobering thing. To this, like, what do so many people get? Get disease? Is it because they're not following the path? They're not um, doing what they what they should be doing or supposed to be doing? Eating the right things or not eating things, or no purpose. Somebody's got no purpose what they got to live for. I know it's a bit of a generalization to say that there's something like that would be, I don't know, a function like. If you're not living your purpose, then in some way you're going to be harmed because you're not on your path. I think that's probably too general. But I think it might be, maybe a person would feel as if they have no purpose, if they if they weren't on a, a path that made sense for them. You know, like if they were doing something meaningless, like just a nine to five, just to get money, they may feel like, What's the point? Like, what's what's coming out of it? What's the like? What's the uh, what's the long-term benefit of it? Because if there's no if there's no reason for doing something other than to pay bills or just to get money somebody could get to a point where it's like what is the point what is the purpose and it could naturally lead to doing things that might you know drinking and things like that so yeah it's interesting but um Yeah, I think it might just be an over generalization to think that not following your path leads to that. I think it's more of a, I don't know, like a nuanced thing, like many different paths or purposes, maybe.